the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Draw the kids and teens up through the eighth grade, please come forward. think I can do it? You think I can? <laughs> Hi. Hey. How are you? You know, when I was little, I remember, and you have to remember, I had, there were eight boys and one girl in our family, then my mom and my dad. And I remember going to the grocery store, several of us, and I think it was my dad, and we went to the grocery store and got the things we needed and we came back home. And then after just a short time, we realized that one of my brothers was not with us. We left him at the grocery store. He was lost and we didn't even know it for a while. Another time, my, one of my, my youngest brother, he ran away from home and he was really in the doghouse behind the house, you know. But he ran away from home, and we didn't know it for three or four hours. And then we started look, looking for him, and we found him. She'll be back. She'll be back. And then we finally found him. You know, that makes a mom and dad's heart just jump because they think you're lost, and they don't know what's happened to you. And, and they get really concerned until they find you. And our gospel lesson today that was just read here in the aisle is about is about someone being lost. Do you remember the story? What, what was lost? Do you remember? A lamb. A lamb. How many, how many sheep did, did, did the shepherd have? 100? And how many got lost? One. And he still had 99. And so he went looking for that one sheep because he really cared for the sheep. And what about who else lost something in the gospel? What? An, an old woman, right? What'd she lose? A silver coin. A silver coin. And she searched the house everywhere for it until she found it. And then she rejoiced because she found what was lost. You know what? God, God helps us not to get lost. But sometimes we do anyway. Adults and children. We get lost from God. We're the ones lost, not God. God knows where we are, and God, God wants us to, to, to be on that path that leads right to him. But sometimes we go off the path and we get lost, and God is doing everything he can to get us back on the path, but he leaves it up to us. And so we get a map out, right? You get your map of Texas out, and you follow the road right to God, don't you? <laughs> no. God is not on the map, is he? What kind of map do we need to, to really stay following God? What map is it? It's called huh? God's Word, the Bible, right? So we follow that map. We read that map all the time. I love to look at maps when we travel. I'm not driving usually. <laughs> but I love to look at maps. If, if I want to follow God, I've got to follow. I've got to look at the Bible. 
I've got to read the Bible to see which direction God wants me to go. And he will help us. He doesn't want us to get lost. And when we are found, oh, God is rejoicing. All the angels in heaven, God is rejoicing that we've been found. All of us. So here's my advice. As you continue to grow up, or as we are already grown up, stay on that road as much as you can. And if you happen to wander off, get, get back on that road as soon as you can. Okay? Because if you go too far, it's going to be hard to get back on that road to God. Stay on the road. And if you get off just a little, get back on. And God's going to lead you home all the way, rejoicing and laughing. And when we get there, he's going to hug us and he's going to smile us into smiling back at him. He is. Yes, he is. And I can't wait. It's going to happen for all of us. Stay on the road and don't get lost, okay? All right. Thank you for coming. I guess we're not doing Children's Chapel today, so if you want to go get a packet from Mr. Gandon over there, you can color and, and all that while, we, uh, while, while Deacon Kathy does the big people sermon. Listen up to what she says. Thank you. You want a packet? You can color. Look, Blake, you want a packet? You can get one. Good morning. I know how much you enjoy Father Stan's jokes. Even though he's reluctant to continue with them each Sunday, he wants to make sure you are all happy, so that's why he does it. So I thought I would tell a joke. But the more I thought about it, I decided this would really not be to my advantage. If the joke was bad, then all of you wouldn't be happy. But if it was really good, Father Stan wouldn't be happy. <laughs> so I thought it would best be best not to tell a joke. But I want to tell you some fun facts about the origin of some of the common phrases and practices of the times that have been carried over into modern day. Now, these, both of these are from the 1500s. Although most people at the time were really poor, they would sometimes be able to get some pork to eat. When visitors would come over, they would hang up the bacon to show it off because it was a sign of wealth if the man could bring home the bacon. They would cut off a little bit to share with the guests, and then they would all sit around and chew the fat. Okay? See? Everybody says this all the time, but you didn't know where that originated. Another fun fact is how June became the traditional month for weddings. Everyone had their yearly, underlined yearly, bath in May, and they still smelled pretty good by June. So that is when weddings were held. However, they were beginning to smell a little bad, so the bride carried a huge bouquet of fresh flowers to cover up the smell. Now the next wedding you see, you will forever have that stuck in your head. In today's gospel, we come from the book of Luke. Luke was a Greek physician and one of Paul's companions who accompanied Paul on several of his journeys. 
In addition to the Gospel of Luke, he also wrote the Acts of the Apostles, which is the fifth book of the New Testament. He was not one of the 12 apostles, but some sources say that he may have been one of the 70 disciples appointed by Jesus in Luke chapter 10. In chapter 15, Jesus tells three parables. Today, I will be addressing two of those parables. Jesus used parables to give examples of God's love for us and to teach us various lessons. These two parables were directed to the Pharisees and scribes that were complaining about how Jesus liked to hang out with sinners. But aren't we glad that Jesus likes to hang out with sinners? When we were young children, we heard these stories and took them at face value. The first parable was all about a shepherd that was out in the wilderness with his 100 sheep. When one of those sheep wandered off, the shepherd left the 99 and went to find the one lost sheep. Our picture books when we were children showed a shepherd wearing animal skins with a small lamb across his shoulders as he climbed back up a hill to return to his flock. But of course, there is a deeper meaning to this parable. In the parable of the lost sheep, the shepherd, shepherd had left the 99 sheep all alone as he goes to find the one that was lost. Wasn't he afraid to leave all those 99 alone and unprotected from wolves and other predators? Was that one sheep the possible, and with the possible, worth the possible loss of several more if they were left with no one to guard them? Being a shepherd in those days was a lifelong occupation. The shepherd was with his flock every day and every night. Being a shepherd was a really a tough thing to do. He knew each sheep by its size, markings, behaviors, and even their bleeding sounds. To us that are not shepherds, those sheep would all pretty much look alike. And think about 100 sheep milling around, grazing, sleeping, playing, or whatever sheep do. That shepherd would have to be constantly watching over those sheep to notice if one of them went missing. Amazing as that seems, imagine Jesus watching over all of us and knowing when one of us goes astray. And by all of us, I don't just mean all of us in this church today, I mean all of us in the world. That's roughly eight billion people. Jesus knows each one of us so intimately and watches us each so closely that he knows when we have gone astray. He knows when we have decided to look for somewhere or someone that tries to offer us a greener pasture. There are many people who reject Jesus because either they choose not to know him or because he is so closely watching us that they feel uncomfortable. Why do they feel uncomfortable? Perhaps it is because they are drawn to a mythical greener pasture that requires sin to enjoy that pasture. Think of all the things that are considered fun in this world that truly are sinful. But back to our story. The shepherd found the lost sheep, but he didn't just take him back to join the flock. No, he went home with that one sheep and got all his friends and neighbors together for a big celebration. And then Jesus went on to say, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents 
than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. What a powerful statement that is. Have you ever imagined all the rejoicing in heaven when you have repented of a sin? I think most of us would agree that mostly what we're feeling is shame, remorse, and regret when we confess our sins. We don't really think about all the rejoicing that's going on in heaven. Try to envision that heavenly rejoicing next time you repent and ask for forgiveness. Although the parable of the lost sheep seemed to make a great point, it was apparently not enough to get that point across to the Pharisees. So Jesus told a second parable. The second parable was about a woman who had 10 silver coins, but one of the coins was missing one day. She looked everywhere for that one lost coin. She even swept every nook and cranny of her house until she found it. Can't you just envision a little old lady in a long skirt with an apron tied around her waist, a kerchief on her hair, and a very distraught look on her wrinkled face as she searches for that lost coin. <clears throat> now maybe the Pharisees better identified with this parable because they were lovers of money. They would never be caught herding sheep as that was a very lowly line of work. Now we do not know the exact value of the coins that belonged to this woman, but it was all the money that she had. Once she discovered that one was missing, she did everything in her power to find it. She lit a lamp and swept the house, and she did find it. Like the shepherd, she too called her friends and neighbors and said, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. And then Jesus went on to say, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Sometimes when we envision angels in heaven, we think of a few beautiful winged beings in heaven sitting on clouds playing harps. But in Revelation, John said this, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. This, of course, is not a literal number, but it implies a number too large for us even to imagine. I don't think we are capable of imagining that many angels nor do we really have a good description of what angels look like. They are spiritual beings that would sometimes appear in human form or other forms as described in several verses of the Bible. But the point is, these uncountable, unimaginable angels rejoice over a sinner who repents. That shows what a big deal repentance really is. Not only the angels rejoice, but God himself rejoices. In Zephaniah 3, 17, the Bible tells us, The Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Don't you wish everyone could hear those words and be encouraged by them? That is where our part comes in. We, the church, have the blessing and the privilege to hear words like these, every Sunday. But we all have loved ones, friends, and neighbors who have never heard these words. It is our job to take this message to all who need it. That doesn't mean just walking up to someone and telling them these parables. We need to be the shepherd that goes searching for that lost sheep and coaxing them back into the flock. 
We all have friends and relatives that know about Jesus, but for one reason or another have wandered off seeking some greener pasture. We need to go after them in a loving and gentle way and try to lead them back to the flock. Or we need to look over all, all over for the lost coin, the one that got away. But how do we do that? Just talking to people lets us know when they are like a lost coin. Many do not even know that they are lost, but we will recognize it as we get to know them. We are all comfortable with our Christian family and friends, but sometimes we find it hard to reach out to those who reject Jesus and sometimes reject us. It is heartbreaking to see someone we love or maybe someone we have just gotten to know going that direction. When our words fail to help them, we can still rely on prayer. I like to say there are many things that I cannot change, but I can pray, and I do. As I wrote this sermon, I thought about my oldest brother, who was at the time in hospice care and not expected to live much longer. When he was first hospitalized, we were texting back and forth in a family group text. And in one of my texts, I asked him about his belief in Jesus. Now, even though all of us in my family, a huge family, were raised in the Episcopal Church since birth, I know that many of my siblings have developed their own views of who Jesus is. My brother's answer back to me was that Jesus was God's son, so that made him our brother, and he was no one special. In addition, he went on to say, the Bible was just a book put together by mortal men. I was more than shocked at this reply. Even though this was by text, I could sense that he was very angry and that I, that I would ask him such a question. Although I had been praying diligently for him, I changed the focus of my prayers and started asking God to please change my brother's mind before he died. I also alerted my siblings so that they too could be praying about this. Think of the lost sheep and the lost coins in your life. Have you done all you can do to find them? Have you brought the lost sheep back, the lost coin back, and brought them all back to join the others? If you have tried and not been able to, have you continued to pray? Prayer is the mightiest weapon we have in our war against sin. Use it daily, and you will be amazed at once what that was lost is now found in Jesus. <laughs>